This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Awards Blend, a weekly podcast that is part of Cinema Blend's growing network of entertainment podcasts. We are a live show that has a focus on the Oscar race breaking down all the major categories ahead of the March 4th Academy Awards telecast. But because we're really just a bunch of movie nerds obsessed with all things cinema, we often branch out into a million different topics that interest us and we hope interest you. My name is Sean O'Connell. I'm the managing director here at Cinema Blend, and I am one third of the co-hosting team for Awards Blend. So let me turn the mic over to my great friend, Kevin McCarthy, the entertainment reporter for Fox 5 in Washington, D.C. Kevin, how are you? Sean, good morning or afternoon or evening, wherever anyone's listening to our, or watching the show. Uh, thanks for having me on as always, and I love you very much. Of course, I love you too. And joining us as always is our great friend, Jake Hamilton, who is the entertainment reporter for Fox 32 in Chicago. Jake, how are you? What's up, guys? Uh, for anyone watching at home, uh, if you have watched before, you know I'm usually surrounded by uh, framed movie posters and a somewhat clean apartment. Right now, if you're seeing this video, uh, you can see lots of boxes behind me. That's because uh, the fiance and I are moving across town tomorrow. And uh, so right now we're in the midst of the move. Anyone that's ever gone through a move, you understand the madness that is my place right now. So I apologize for all of the random film reels and uh, and movie poster boxes that surround me. Yeah, and I would I would have been down. I would have been down in a better placement, but my Ethernet didn't work. So I'm I'm in my wife's office. So I want Jake to tell everybody that he's moving to the set of The Dark Knight. Please give us yes, that. Yeah. Give us that much detail, at least. Yeah. yeah. If you are well, well, first of all, I, I'd like to think the fact that I'm in the, I live in the middle of the set of The Dark Knight because if you live in Chicago, you essentially live in Gotham City. But yeah, we're gonna be living. Uh, I don't I don't want to broadcast necessarily where I'm going to be living exactly, but uh, <laughs> we're going to be living pretty close to a pretty crucial point in the film. Uh, and, uh, and 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 when you guys come over uh, and you have a standing invitation, you'll you'll know exactly where it is. That Jake's that actually been. moving in with Christopher Nolan and his wife, Emma. Uh, they have their they bought a place in Chicago. And uh, he, uh, Christopher Nolan's shooting Dunkirk 2, for some reason, in Chicago. Dunkirk with, 2, Electric with, Boogaloo? With, with Jake, yeah. <laughs> well, the Jake's thing is, I, I don't think I could handle it, because as much as you talk about Nolan all the time, he only wants to talk about you, Kevin. Like, I'm like, dude, yes, I know, Kevin's great, let's move on. That's great. Well, tell us it high. Well, I want to point out that we are live on Facebook, and some people might be watching this feed wondering what the heck is going on. But um, we are a live podcast. We do this live show. Um, we're trying to test it out on Facebook to see how it runs. But if you are finding this later and wondering when you can listen to the rest of our other episodes, we are, of course, available on iTunes and Google Play and all places that great podcasts can be downloaded. With This is episode number nine for us, um, and it's something that we're going to continue to do uh, even after the Oscar telecast is over. But because we started as an awards telecast, we will be doing a Best Picture Breakdown uh, this week. We also have a couple of other really great topics to get to, including... Black Panther talk is when we met last week and reviewed the film without spoilers. A, Jake wasn't with us and hadn't even seen the film yet. And you have to hear his hot take about how he hates Michael B. Jordan. Um, <laughs> and we want to we want to discuss whether Black Lies. Panther makes it into our top five. Lies. So why don't, we, why don't we start there? Oh, and then later, because everybody's playing along with our PTA blend hashtag, we're going to discuss what we believe is to be the best film of Paul Thomas Anderson. And also shout out to everyone on social media for really engaging with us on the hashtag PTA blend. Uh, yeah. It was everyone I thought was really cool. And, uh, and I, I can't give enough credit to the, the growing audience that we seem to be having. And I kind of like, I know it's just the three of us that, that, uh, that does this podcast every week, but I feel like it's starting to become just like this community. And our voices are maybe just a little bit louder, but shout out to everyone that gets involved every week. That's really cool of you. Yeah, I just clicked on the uh, the Facebook link, which, which is where we're airing live now on Cinema Blend's Facebook. And uh, the cool thing is, like, someone already commented saying they're watching us in, like, Sweden, which is, like, super Nuts. cool. Um, shout so, out to Sweden. Yeah, so if you're <laughs> watching right now uh, and want to be a part of our Paul Thomas Anderson discussion, uh, the hashtag, uh, as Sean mentioned, that we've been using was hashtag 
uh, PTA blend. Uh, so drop your comment in there and we'll get to you, hopefully get to yours as we get to ours uh, later in the show. Just, just send us your favorite Paul Thomas Anderson film. Just literally comment whatever Boogie Nights, The Master, A Hard Eight, whatever you want to put in there, and then we'll hopefully get to it on the show. So, well, And but, I, I will mention this later in the show, too. This was really hard to do. Like when we oh, did yeah. Nolan, I kind of knew my favorite Nolan right off the bat, but Paul Thomas Anderson, all of his films are really close for me. And trying to choose what I thought was the best one was not easy. Yeah, I agree. I'm, I, 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 you mentioned uh, Jake's hatred of Michael B. Jordan and Black Panther. We have to get to that at some point today hates in the show uh, because he's amazing in the movie. He's one of the greatest villains of all time in comic book films. So, so should I go ahead and have to d delete my social media now, or should we wait? Until I <laughs> well, let's start with Black Panther because okay. it's it's a cultural phenomenon. I mean, yeah. it broke so many different records, not just for Marvel but for blockbusters in general. Um, Kevin and I reviewed the film last week on the on the podcast. We didn't get into spoilers. We talked about some of the reasons why we liked it without giving too much away. Uh, Jake, you finally did catch it. Why don't you give us your review right off the bat? Let us know uh, what you thought of the film overall. And then we'll get into Killmonger and some of the issues that we're yeah. having in our uh, own text chain. I, I liked it quite a bit. I really, really enjoyed the film. You know, the aspect of the origin films for a lot of the Marvel superheroes, there are a lot of aspects that I feel are sort of the ones that I feel like we kind of have to get through. Like, okay, let's hurry up and get, you know, because with the origin film, you know, it's 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 like you're playing a board game. You got to unfurl the board game. You got to figure out what the rules are, and then you got to figure out which way the pieces move. And I feel like uh, normally that's I'm, I, I want to just get through that with the other origin films so we can get to like the meat. And I thought this was the best instance of world building. I thought Wakanda was just absolutely incredible, and uh, the 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 structure of of the the you know it, because obviously we'd already been introduced to uh, T'Challa, so we got to sort of kind of take a step back, and even though we knew him, get to know. Uh, his sister get to know his mom, get to know uh, the, the the incredible female warriors around him, and get to know the world in general. I thought was great. Um, there were a couple of aspects about the film that I was a little hung up on. I thought the special effects were, for lack of a better phrase, a little soupy, a little video gamey. And whenever I feel that way about a movie in theaters, what worries me isn't so much that moment, but what it's going to look like in uh in 10 years i i just re i'm making my way through the mcu right now uh starting with iron man to get all the way up to uh infinity war in may and i rewatched the incredible hulk last night and those effects are already starting to look a little dated especially even though i love the the final act of that film the final fight scene is starting to look a little and i feel that way between uh killmonger and black panther that fight scene um which literally takes place in an underground railroad by the way yeah, that's incredible. um uh, I, I I just feel like that's going to look a little old in about 10 years. Yeah, I, one thing, I, I, I'm, last week on the show, I'm sorry, go ahead, go ahead Sean. No, I was like, one thing we commented last week too, and I'm not sure if you listened to it, was that, you know, looking forward to Infinity War, those scenes that are set in Wakanda with all the armies kind of running at each other, yeah. I fear that that CGI issue might crop itself up. The armored rhinos, obviously, if you haven't seen Black Panther, you might want to punch out of this conversation right now. We are going to talk spoilers about it. Um, the Armored Rhymos, it's a great concept. I just don't think it was executed really well. Yeah, um, there's agreed. still just some things when you're in a nation like Wakanda, this futuristic nation, you can only make it as realistic as possible. Yeah. And I, I think Ryan Cooper shot a lot with physical. I think he, yeah. he shot a lot on sets. But I, I would have liked so a little bit more uh, a little bit more Lord of the Rings, and I feel like we got a little bit more Hobbit than I would have liked. Ooh, yeah. That's harsh. And, and last week on the show, I um I kind of if you're just Listening to our show for the first time ever. I mean, this is obviously this is the first time we've ever gone on Cinema Blend's Facebook page. Uh, I really enjoyed the film, and I, I've been a fan of Ryan Coogler since Fruitvale Station. I think his technical and emotional abilities as a filmmaker have just always blown my mind. Uh, his use of single tracking shots. Uh, there's a really cool YouTube video online where he breaks down this incredible continuous action shot that happens in the South Korean casino um, that follows the fight scene between Lupita and Denai, and then back to Chadwick. And it is just one of the most incredible continuous shots. There are some stitches in there from what I can tell. Uh, unlike Creed, when, when they're fighting the, the, uh, the trainer's son for the first time, that was legitimately one shot for two rounds. Um, but yeah, Creed was but, so good. Yeah. And listen, listen, uh, Black Panther is it's an incredible film that the idea that it stands alone in the MCU. Uh, there's been 18 Marvel Cinematic Universe films uh, up until now. Uh, Infinity War will be number 19 from what I understand. And I 
found it to be so cool that you could sit in the theater having never seen a single MCU film ever uh, and completely follow this. They even give you the flashback to T'Challa's father dying. Um, but two more quick things. I know we're going to move on to uh, to spoiler discussion. Uh, with, with Michael B. Jordan, I think he's arguably the greatest villain hands down in the MCU, no question, uh, uh, over the 18 films, but arguably one of the greatest comic book villains of all time because he's so layered and so sympathetic. Uh, while I despise his actions, I sympathize with his ideals, and, and as you see towards the end of the film, as do the other characters in Wakanda, they actually agree with his ideology of what to do with Vibranium, and, and the Wakandan people can help the world. Um, also, Ryan Coogler's blend of the score and Kendrick's soundtrack. Ludwig's score is genius. When I, I went back and watched on the, the second time around last Friday, I was blown away by just the different uh, elements of the score mixed in with Kendrick's curated soundtrack. So to me, I found that to be incredible. And to Jake's point about the CGI, there's like two shots that bug the, the, the heck out of me in this movie. And I still don't understand. My wife made a great point. My wife's also a film critic in the DC area. Why did the effects in Doctor Strange look so amazing? Everything in that movie looked incredibly perfect. And then all of a sudden you look up at this shot when they first get to the waterfall scenes in Wakanda and they're looking up at everybody uh, on the on the mountaintops and mm -hmm. it looks like a video game. So mm -hmm. I, I, that was a bit interesting to me. But that being said, I still love the film, but I do have some uh, problems with it. But Jake, uh, I really want to get into an argument about Killmonger because I, I I could not disagree with you more on this on this topic. Uh, I you know I, I know we we need to you know blow past Black Panther pretty soon. But what I will say is that I understand I am in the minority, but I think I, I agree with you that Killmonger is an amazing character. In fact, I would argue probably the best written villain in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. That being said, I don't think Michael B. Jordan gave a great performance. As Killmonger, uh, some of his line deliveries I felt just rang false to me. Uh, it, it, it just I felt like he was trying to convince me of how tough this character was, rather than just actually being tough. Uh, I, I, you know, I I thought everyone in the in the film gave an absolutely incredible performance, except Michael B. Jordan. Wow. And I think I would argue I think a lot of people are confusing a great character for no. a great performance. No, see, I completely disagree with you because while the character is very well written, um, it takes the performance to make the audience sympathize with the character. If you're sitting in a theater feeling bad for a guy who's killed who knows how many people, uh, he has a scar on his body for every person he's killed, yet at the end of the movie, I feel bad for what happens to his character that is the sign of a performance that resonated with the audience. Now, the character can be written extremely well, sure. It's layered, it's sympathetic, his ideals are interesting, the whole Oakland tie into his character, incredible. Um, but to me, you cannot sit in the theater, watch that character, and not be moved by the performance. Now, the actual dialogue, as you're discussing, the way he, the way he uh, delivers his lines, I mean, Michael B. Jordan's character is a product of where he grew up, and what happened to him and the things that went on in his life with his family. And I think that he was just a genuinely angry dude. And I think that he, I don't know, for me, it worked. I, I love the way he delivered his lines completely differently than the Wakandan people. Like when he said, what's up, auntie, or the way he would like, you know, I I've waited my entire life for this. I'm feeling this mask. I loved that dialogue. I love the sound of his voice. Uh, I, also, I was I'm so having a hard time. I'm having a hard time understanding the the lines that separates a performance from a character. I think that's a really interesting conversation because yeah. I can think of I can think of characters that have been hurt by bad performances. Yeah. But I can't necessarily think if you like a character, I I think you have to like that character because of the way that it's performed. I think I like the character because I I understand his motivations and I understand his motivations based off of the screenplay based off the work that that Kugler did and I equate it to and I mentioned this to you guys in our in our uh, text chat that I equate it to when you watch a movie and you go man it was such a cool idea but they didn't quite pull it off it's not a great movie it's the same thing it's that where the character is such a great idea but I just didn't connect with uh, Michael B. Jordan's maybe his interpretation of it. Maybe maybe I disagree with how he chose to interpret it. 
I noticed, by the way, on, on our on our hangout that we got a comment from a, a, a listener named Jessica Rowden. She was talking about the uh, the shot that flips in the throne room. It goes upside Ooh, down. Yes. That was a really cool Gorgeous shot. shot. Isn't this yeah. shot by um, the same woman? Michelle Morris. That Rachel shot, Morris. She, uh, she wrought uh, 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 for Mudbound, right? Mudbound, yeah. For Mudbound. Oh, yep. beautiful. Yeah, beautiful. she's an amazing cinematographer. She got nominated yeah. for cinematography at the Oscars this year for Mudbound. The first the female, first right? female ever. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the shot that Jessica's talking about. That's why I love Ryan Coogler so much is because he just kind of allows the camera to be something that you can appreciate. I mean, I, I always found it interesting that some filmmakers are are able to allow you to be a part of the filmmaking, but also don't you don't lose yourself yeah. in the storyline. And a shot like that is could be distracting to an audience, but for some reason it worked because it thematically goes with what's happening, yeah. the flipping upside down, uh, everything being turned upside down in Wakanda. Um, and also going back and watching, crazy. you know, the MCU from the beginning, like I said, I watched Iron Man and, and Incredible Hulk last night. Like, it's like the directors back then weren't allowed to have any kind of that uh, of that style or yeah. I mean, like John right. Favreau kind of felt like he was sort of in a box. And I don't know how much of that is just him and how much of it was them saying this is what you're going to do. But it's so great that they let him or are the guy behind Thor Ragnarok, like really just say, go like, you know what? We're 18 movies in audiences are going to come have fun. Go nuts. Do your, I don't with Favreau though. I don't think Favreau ever really, in my opinion, had a great style. I think he was just a, uh, I think he was just a good solid storyteller. Yeah. He's a, he's a, he's a competent director, but I don't think anyone's ever going to, uh, you know, for any of his films, I don't think anyone's ever going to, I mean, I I couldn't watch a movie and go, Oh, there's that's a Favreau movie. All right. I mean, like it's, when you get to the first Thor movie again, because I, I love Thor 1, and I think we discussed I agree with you. I know we got to move on, but there's some really cool shots in that film where Kenneth Branagh uh, used a lot of canted angles. And he got, he got yeah. a lot of, he got a lot of uh, a flack for that initially, but the reasoning for that was because he wanted it to look like you were turning the page of a comic book. Yeah. Like you were flipping the page over. I thought that was such Which a that cool was – he did remember. that much better than Ang Lee did with Yeah, Hulk. Ang Lee tried that for Hulk. Yeah. Ang Lee, Ang Lee was, was a little too on the nose. <laughs> so, But here's what's interesting. As big as Black Panther was and as much as all three of us say that we really like it, when we sat down to do our top five Marvel films and we're each going to do our personal five, it's not in it for any of the three. For it doesn't crack. And maybe – this is what happens when you have 18 films. Um, you put these new ones out, and maybe you have to marinate on them for a little while. Um, but Black Panther did not make our top five. Um, we're going to give our top five Marvel films right now. Kevin, I want to start with you. What you, you did, do you need me to read them off, or do you have them in front of you? No, I, I got them in front of me, but I, I actually think the, uh, the list I sent you earlier, I had one flip. So I, I went back to my tweet from four days ago, so I, now I have the correct list in front of me. All right, go um, ahead. Who are your five? Top five Marvel movies. So Panther did come in at number six. So it almost okay. cracked top five for me. Uh, am I going five to one or one to five? One to five. All right. My number one, no questions, Winter Soldier. Uh, Winter yes. Soldier to me was just perfect. Uh, uh, the second act, that whole bridge fight sequence, the Russos really just took this MCU and just flipped it around. I love their work. Um, Civil War is number two. Love Civil War, the 17-minute airport scene. I don't know how they're going to top that in Infinity War. Uh, that scene, to this day, blows my mind. Uh, Gar- uh, Iron Man 1 is my number three. I love that movie. I rewatched it a, a year or two ago. It's just so much fun. I love the origin story of Iron Man. I love – the only thing I don't like about Iron Man 1 is, is, is Bridges' villain character towards the end. But everything leading up to that, I really, really love. Uh, my number four is Guardians 1. Because uh, I, I thought James Gunn just kind of had his stamp on that. The soundtrack was so great. Came out of nowhere. Surprised the heck out of everybody. Uh, shot extremely well. Loved Chris Pratt. And then number five is Avengers 1. I, 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 and again, people keep arguing to me like, oh, Loki was a better villain than than Killmonger. And I'm like, no. I mean, lo- to me, Loki was actually the weakest part of Avengers 1. And con- speaking of continuous shots, the Joss Whedon shot, the hero shot in the third act of the movie when they're flying through the city and you go to each one of them as they're as they're doing their thing. Man, that was amazing. So Yeah, but nowadays, see, we take for granted, and this is why we all have Avengers 1 in our top five. We take for granted how difficult it is to bring all of those characters together on screen. And if you watch what Justice League just tried to do this past year, it shows you that what Avengers pulled off is super impressive. Yeah. It's super impressive. They're all different personalities. And Joss figured out... Um, signature action scenes that played into all that they do. And that battle of Manhattan is unbelievable. Like the fact that they staged what they were able to stage and everybody got a chance to shine in it. No one was really overpowered except for maybe Hawkeye. I'm not really sure what he, what he can do. Sorry, Renner. Um, Jake, give me your five. 
Uh, my number one is Civil War. Uh, I love the Marvel movies, but one thing I don't necessarily think is their strong suit is like emotional weight, like really like grabbing me by the heartstrings and making me sort of feel what the characters are feeling one way or the other. And the final fight between Captain and, and Iron Man, and then the reason why they are fighting in that line of him saying, I'm sorry, Tony, he was my friend, and Tony coming back and saying, so was I. That, to me, that was the biggest gut punch of, like, holy crap. Like, these movies do have the capacity to have emotional weight. Um, right. Guardians 2, I believe, was my – I'm sorry, Guardians 1 was my number two uh, for the, a lot of the same reasons Kevin said. I mean, just it, – it, was to me the first signifier that we were getting into an era of the Marvel Cinematic Universe that was a little bit unpredictable, where directors were being allowed to go outside of the box a little bit. And of course, the soundtrack was incredible. Uh, number three for me was Spider-Man Homecoming. The simplicity of it, I mean, everything, for all the reasons that I just complimented Black Panther, just, I mean, not really needing an origin story, but still getting one. The simplicity of, like, a Spider-Man story that didn't need to be about him saving the world. It was just as kind of a smaller scale. And that scene for me, I, I'd argue one of the best scenes in all of 18 Marvel films is when uh, Peter Parker is trapped under that pillar at the end and he's screaming help. And it was such a reminder that Spider-Man is just a kid. Like yeah. all of these movies, you know, you've got men and women fighting and, and they're superheroes and they got this, but Spider-Man is just a kid and he was just screaming for help. I thought that was such a good, amazing scene. Thor Ragnarok to me, the absolute best example of a director being told, dude, like, go nuts. Like, we, we're so successful. Do what you want to do and have fun. I thought Thor Ragnarok was the best vessel for the Hulk. I don't think the Hulk really needs another solo movie. But if you can use him in that capacity, I think it's absolutely brilliant. And then number five, the Avengers. For every reason you just said, I was thinking, you know, watching Iron Man 1 last night and seeing that post credit scene of just – Sam Jackson showing up as Nick Fury and saying, you know, I want to talk about the Avengers initiative. Just yeah. 10 years ago, we yeah. got psyched to hear them say Avengers initiative. And now we're Crazy. gearing up for a movie in which the Avengers are fighting in Wakanda as they gear up for Spider-Man to take on Thanos. I think, look at how far we have come in 10 years. To me, that's just, we, I think we forget that and we take that for granted sometimes. And I agree with you. I think we sometimes forget how big of a deal that first Avengers was. It was just simply astounding. You know, Jake mentioned Spider-Man Homecoming. Uh, I got to mention a scene in that movie that I that I that still gives me shivers every time I think about it. And the scene that Jake mentioned is great. Uh, but the scene that I that blew my mind the most was like the scene in the limo when with the yeah. reveal of Michael Keaton's yeah. character. Yeah. And I, I and I remember like watching that. And, and Homecoming, I, I liked a lot. I, I wasn't I wasn't blown away by it. it. It was a bit forgettable to me overall, but I enjoyed the experience of the movie. Um, that scene was incredible. I don't know why. Like that one's. If I were to put together like a list of like my favorite scenes in the MCU, that one would be in my top ten. And how great was Keaton? Is, Homecoming is crazy rewatchable for all those. Oh, it's for super rewatchable, incredible. And, and, and you know, and I'd argue, I, I'm not entirely as much as I love Black Panther, and I, I would go as far as saying that I love it. I'm not entirely sure how much I'm going to want to just pop it in the Blu-ray and just sort of have it on in the background. I, I would argue. Thor is incredibly re uh, Ragnarok, incredibly rewatchable. I, I would argue maybe Homecoming might be the most rewatchable of all, and maybe it's because it's not as heavy and it's just sort of you know it's a fun high school John Hughes superhero movie. But I'd argue it's the most rewatchable of the Marvel movies. Where is Winter Soldier on your list? I'm I, I'm like shocked Winter Soldier by for this. me would, would probably be six. I, I see. I I don't love Thor Ragnarok. I know it's a completely uh, my uh, minority opinion. Uh, I hates it. No, 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 no. I don't hate it. I just didn't find it to be that funny. I thought it, I, I thought it was fine in the action department. The villain was terrible. Um, but the uh, the I don't know. I, I'm like see the humor. I love the I, like as a guy that did not like the humor in the Last Jedi. I love the humor in Ragnarok. I was sitting in the theater with Ragnarok just thinking to myself, I am not in on this joke. Like, there's some joke happening here that I'm just not following. And, and listen, I'm not trying to be, like to be a party pooper here. I just did not think Ragnarok was like this, the end-all, be-all movie that everyone said it was. I saw it on people's top tens of the year, and I'm like, what? Yeah, it, all, it almost made my top ten. It was I, I, from the opening joke of, like, him twirling around and not being able to have the conversation because, so like, funny. he's got to get the job. I find so that funny. whole like, – I, I could watch that right now and die laughing. I think Thor 1 is worlds beyond Thor Ragnarok. I think, oh, no, I, no, 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 I'm just shocked that Winter Soldier is not on your list. I think Winter Soldier – I like Winter Soldier a lot. I think Winter Soldier is it's a fantastic sort of like, you know, tip of the cap to – um. You know, tip to the great the spy, you know, to the to the spy movies. But I, um, 
I, uh, I typically, <laughs> ah, I see what you did there. Tip of the cat, yeah. <laughs> that, that took me way too long. Um, and that, that joke came to me over dial-up, man. Uh, no, I, I like Winter Soldier, but, but once again, that falls in the category of, like, I'm not sure, like, I'd ever want to, like, I mean, granted, I'm going to because I'm making my way through, but, like, it's not a sit-down or rewatch again for me kind of movie. Ooh. All right, so my it's on my five, but it's at number five. Um, and my top three mirror Jake's. Mine is Civil War, uh, it's Guardians 1, and it's Spider-Man Homecoming. And Civil War, it's just... So good. It, what's, what's really funny about Civil War so is good. that people can dismiss it as saying it's like Avengers 2.5, which I guess it kind of is, right? It has almost everybody in it. Mm-hmm. But it, it strategically uh, introduces Black Panther and makes him a character that's integral to that story. Um, awesome. And the explosion that takes away his father is super important. Yeah. Um, it introduces Spider-Man <laughs> and sets him up for yeah. his adventure and doesn't, and in doing that doesn't take anything away from the story at heart, which is, you know, Cap standing up for Bucky and being at odds with Iron Man. And you can only tell that story after you've laid out all the films that have come before it. And so it's remarkable for what it pulls yeah. off. It's so Guardians, good. Guardian, the first Guardians to me was the first, like when we're talking about how filmmakers now have a voice in the Marvel Cinematic Universe and they can start telling their movies, that's because of James Gunn. It's because Agreed. James Gunn told a James Gunn movie using Marvel characters that, that people didn't really know at this point, and he perfectly cast it. I mean, Chris Pratt in the first Guardians is Harrison Ford in Star Wars. He's basically, that's his coming out party, and he is now own, owning Star-Lord from here on out. And it just goes to show that like what you can do if you give these filmmakers some creative freedom to just play in this sandbox and come back with something unique and original. It's kind of dirty, you know? It's... uh. It's a little more adult than most of the kids' movies. I had parents come back to me after seeing Guardians and be like, that's a Marvel movie? And I'm like, yeah, it kind of is still if you read the books. Um, and then I love Spider-Man as much as as much as Jake did. I thought they just nailed the casting of Tom Holland is amazing. I thought Keaton yeah. was an amazing picture. Um, I have the first Avengers at four, and then I have Winter Soldier at yes. five because I think the, the Russos are incredible. And Dude, the bridge scene, man. Like the bridge no, scene. No, but like is so the only reason why awesome. it's so lower is because I agree with you that at the end with the helicarriers and everybody crashing down on everybody else, it, it loses its way. But it's still up until that point, it's it's great. And Falcon is a great addition to that chemistry. And it, Evans, the fact that Evans rebounded from being Human Torch and of course being the star of Not Another Teen Movie um, <laughs> to become Captain America is. Just incredible casting. It's incredible casting. You teed this up for me. I have to say, not another team movie. It's my one of my favorite comedies. Sean, what have you time. done? No, no, no. no. I'm sorry, but, Jake, but I'm seriously, everybody tuning in for the first time, do yourself a favor and rewatch that movie. It's actually genius. That script is so well done, but it gets put into this whole spoof category. Unfortunately, all those scary movies, but it's really good. But Kevin in our text chain um, sent a gif around of. Chris Evans using the whipped cream. Oh, the whipped cream, yeah. And what's so funny is that, like, I have to look at that and be like, oh, my God, that's Captain America. Like, yeah. How did that guy become it's Captain so America? Which, you've got to stop sending that to me because I read our text messages at work. That's the wrong with it. It's nothing more than you can see. If you went to the beach, you were wearing a Speedo or something like that. It's not, it's not that right, bad. Speaking, speaking of work, I want Kevin to talk about really fastly because there's a movie coming out, a movie coming out next week, uh, Red Sparrow, and Kevin had the opportunity to host a Q&A with Yeah, he did. Francis Lawrence, the director yeah. in Washington, D.C., and in addition, Joel Edgerton and, and Jennifer uh, Lawrence. You don't have to talk about the movie, Kevin, but how did that night go? It was crazy. I spent the entire day with, with all three of them, which was crazy. So they came to D.C. for a press day. The movie's called Red Sparrow, uh, 20th Century Fox film. Uh, it's a it's a very hard R-rated movie. Sean, you saw it, I believe. I'm seeing uh, it tonight. Are you seeing it tonight? Yeah, it's, yeah. That, it, it's 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 as hardcore as an R-rating can get at points. I was actually pretty shocked by a lot of what they were able to put into this movie. Uh, but yeah, the day was crazy. I, I interviewed uh, Francis Lawrence, Jennifer Lawrence, and Joel Edgerton at a at a press junket in D.C. first. Then I went to a red carpet event. Then I hosted this uh, Q&A with them uh, at Landmark E Street in uh, in D.C. Uh, and Jennifer Lawrence, when you get going like in a, in a, a more than a four-minute setting with her, she is just so funny. Uh, and, and I don't know, at one point we got into a discussion towards the end of the um, Q&A where I just kind of threw out a random question. I, I, I said something on the lines of, like, have you ever bought a ticket to your own movie? Um, and then so like Jennifer Lawrence and Joe Edgerton said, or Jennifer Lawrence said no. Then Francis Lawrence went on to say, I bought a ticket to one of my films once and I sat in the back 
And in front of me, a couple made out the entire time. <laughs> and, I, and I remember, I was like, did you not, did you tap them or tell them to stop? And he said, no, he just kind of like, but it was weird for him that they were missing his entire film. So that went into a whole discussion about what movies the other actors have made out to. And Jennifer Lawrence, <laughs> Jennifer Lawrence's random one was Milk. She said she made out the entire time through Milk. Uh, Sean Penn movie, yeah, and then that's, a, that's uh, like a Seinfeld plot line. Like, I didn't... know. <laughs> and then uh, what did uh, Edgerton said? Predator. He went on a double date with a friend of his and uh, and whoever he was dating at the time, uh, and then they made out through Predator. It was it was a very like that particular part of the Q and A was pretty cool, but um, yeah, it's a fascinating film. There's a lot to talk about. Uh, when you see it tonight, Sean, you'll kind of uh, you'll see what I'm talking about about the the R-rated stuff. It's pretty Dude, brutal and different. I love this is done. I love Joel Edgerton. Me too. I As love do I. Him so much. That dude Warrior? is so awesome. How good is Warrior? Like oh, Warrior. It's amazing. Amazing. Dude, you it's amazing. Make a grown person cry. Just put Warrior on. And, and, the, and the Nick Nolte, Tom Hardy scene in the casino. Dude, I put amazing. I put Warrior on. See, we have two boys, right? And this whole movie is about brothers, you know, and estranged brothers and having to come together to fight. I put Warrior on for Michelle, and she was like, "Why are you showing me this mixed martial arts film? I have no interest in it." Half an hour into it, she's totally hooked, and by the end of it, the two of us are bawling. It's the most incredible film. It's one of those things where, like, it just frustrates me that it didn't do better, and I think a lot of that had to do with the fact that it was a martial arts film, and a mixed martial arts film, and I think a lot of people were just hesitant to go see it. I wish there was a way that you could put a message out onto everyone's phones, like an ESS alert or whatever it is, and say, this movie's awesome. Go see it. Trust me. It is amazing. <laughs> I, got, I think if anybody sits down and watches that film, they, they will be floored emotionally. I mean, Hardy and Edgerton are so good in that movie. But it goes along with, with my theory, which is that the best, and you know, considering you know, MMA a sport, the best sports movies are not about sports. They're always right. about something bigger, you know, like Field of Dreams, Friday Night Lights, Hoosiers. They're all catalysts for a right. bigger and better story. And that's why I always, you know, when people tell me they don't want to watch, you know, the TV series Friday Night Lights, which is one of my all-time favorite series, they don't want to watch it because they don't like football. I, so, I always tell them, are you a human being? Because that's all you need to be to enjoy something like Friday Night. And the best sports movies, Moneyball. You don't have to know yeah. anything about baseball to appreciate how good of a movie Moneyball is. The Sandlot, we all know, is the greatest sports well, movie. Sa- but, and and yeah, Sandlot's we about, like, about growing up. You know, there's all these movies. Yeah. Um, right, I I don't want to dive into spoilers for Annihilation, which opens uh, this week. But yeah, Kevin, I, don't say anything. I won't. We won't say anything for Jake. We won't ruin it for him or for anybody who's paying attention to us. No, um, we're gonna get we're gonna get the best picture uh, predictions, and we're gonna get to our PTA discussion coming. But Kevin, just tell me really fast, would you recommend people go check out Annihilation? Yeah, it's interesting. I, I've had a very interesting day of back and forth in my mind about Annihilation. And uh, I do want to say that I'm a massive Ex Machina fan. I think a lot of – I think everybody else, everybody is. And saying that's kind of like just saying that like, you breathe air. It's yeah, we all, we, all put, we all put it on our top ten. Yeah, list, right? everyone loved Ex Machina. Um, Annihilation is a, is a film that grabbed me for 99.9% of the time. I was like fully engaged in it. Um, I just have an issue with – I love open-ended endings, and I'm not going to say anything specifically about what happens. I wanted more to chew on as an audience member leaving the theater. Sean, you saw it. Do you agree that you yeah. wanted more from the ending? No, I agree. I, I agree 100%, and I don't want to get into anything about right. it. But no I, I do want to say I, – I all I want to say is go see it because mm-hmm. it's still – it's it's so original and it's so well made and it's yeah. so better it's better than although February has been a great month it's better than most things that are out there. Um, but I think that when we're able to talk about it in detail next week, um, we'll be able to explain why it's ultimately a pretty frustrating film. Yeah, well, next week look, uh, we'll put like a little alert up and talk about it after Jake sees it because I, I really want to break down that that what happens and and. This is not it's not a spoiler to know that the ending is something that's going to be like crazy talked about because I mean the whole movie's building up to something about what's in the shimmer. I mean that, that yes. that's the whole that's what the trailer tells you anyways what is in there or whatever it is. So um they're already kind of uh, uh giving you that question so because they, they want you to go see it to find out what it is. So the question is is that reveal worth the watch? And that's kind of where the review comes in. That's why it's a hard movie to talk about. It's hard to review the movie. Because I liked it so is. much of it, you know? So. Yes. 
no. And I mean, Garland's a, a great filmmaker and his great cast director. is the cast is really, really good too. It's just, it's hard to talk about what goes wrong with it without getting right. into spoilers. So um, we are called Awards Blend. We started out as an Oscar podcast and discussing all the things that happened during the awards race. And we have literally a week and a half left to go before the Academy Awards hand out um, all of their trophies. And we've gone over some major categories in our podcast leading up to this point. If you guys are following along live for the first time, you can download all of our past episodes on iTunes and Google Play and I think, Gabe, if you're chatting and listening to this, tell me if we're going to be on like Spotify or, or Ear, Earbudcast. There's other places where you can get podcasts. Gabe is going to chat and let me know that. But we're down to Best Picture. And I actually am swaying back to the fact that this race is not decided. Um, we've been saying all along that it seems like the categories are kind of cut and dry because of the films that have been winning in, in Producers Guild and Writers Guild and different places like that. But I think right now that there are three films that have a pretty good chance going into uh, Sunday, March 4th of thinking that they can win Best Picture. And to me, they are uh, Shape of Water, which a lot of people um, think is going to get carried by Del Toro winning director. It'll just get a picture uh, win. Three Billboards, which is picking up almost all of these uh, wins leading up to the most recently. It picked up a BAFTA win, but I think it also got Producers Guild. Did Shape of Water get Producers Guild or did Three Billboards get Producers Guild? Did PGA get announced up. yet? I know DJ did. Oh, that's, I, that's probably what it is. It hasn't yeah. been announced yet. I don't think and then DJ Get Out. I'm not, I'm not taking my foot off the yeah. pedal for Get Out. I think that it's it's starting to come around and, and get some some buzz. So do you guys think – do you think any film outside of those three has a chance? And do you also agree with me that, that those three are the ones that are in the running? Uh, I agree with you on both points. I absolutely think. And, uh, and I think that, uh, that the groundswelling of black Panther could help get out in this, in the, in the same way that they're uh, you know, it, it, both movies represent representation for an audience that hasn't been represented as much as they should be in a very long time. And I think the fact that in the same way reminds me of, remember when everyone thought Eddie Murphy was going to win supporting actor for dream girls and Norbit came out and ruined people say ruined his chances. I mm-hmm. think the timing of black Panther could do the opposite of get 100%. out because it's, because this, you know, success is happening as people are voting. And if, if people are looking at black Panther and going, Oh, thank you. Finally representation for an audience. that isn't getting representation. And as they're going to vote, they go, Oh, wait, there's a movie nominated for Best Picture that also did that, and they want to reward it for that. I think if Get Out wins, that Jordan Peele should write a thank you letter to Ryan Coogler. But yeah, I, I will say this, though. Uh, going along with what Jake just said, uh, it, I completely agree. I actually, my mindset now is if I were to predict the Oscars today, I would say Get Out's going to win. Uh, and I know really that, you you would go see. I would still say Shape of Water. You I don't really, think you, so. you think it's going to win. I really? think it's going to win. Here's oh, why. so exciting. I'd rather it win. Couple of different things. Uh, well, one, the point you made about Black Panther. Yes. So Oscar voting started on the 20th. The final voting started on the 20th. It ends on the 27th. We are in the midst of Black Panther being this massive film, which also stars Daniel Kaluuya, the lead star of Get Out. Um, it's all. It's it's also reminding people of him. Uh, and as that actor, good point, very good point. Uh, and, and people are, uh, and that 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 actor is now everywhere. He's like uh, he he won an award the other day. He was giving a speech. Now going to what you said about representation, the beauty of the of this situation is not only could that be a factor in it being voted for, but it's also one, the better film of the three, no question. Agreed. Um, so the cool thing about Get Out is it wouldn't just be a vote for representation, which is awesome. It would be a vote for the better film anyways, in my opinion. So I think if they, if someone were to look at those three films, that is, in my opinion, the better movie of the three. Uh, Get Out is a, a movie that requires a second or a third viewing to fully appreciate the masterpiece level of what Jordan Peele did with that movie. Um, there was, and I can't take credit for this, there was a tweet that when when Jordan Peele won the WGA um, for original screenplay, someone pointed out that last year the same thing happened. La La Land was the front runner, Moonlight won the WGA, and then won Best Picture. So I think going into the Oscars, that could be something to factor in that you know Shape of Water has this momentum, but you know Get Out won the uh, screenplay award. Well. And also keep in mind, Shape of Water didn't get a SAG Best Ensemble nomination, right? Which, which is, I it's think, that's another thing. a big right. thing working against it. 
So right. that, and, and this kind of goes back to our whole discussion we've had earlier in our shows, though, about who's going to win Best Director. And I, 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 I think what's going to happen is they're going to split it. And originally, at the beginning of the season, I think we all thought Nolan wins Director, Shape of Water wins uh, Picture. That was kind of before all the, the award season started. But now right. I think it's shifted. I think it's going to be Del Toro for Director and then Get Out and win Picture. And I, 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 I don't know why. I, I, over the past week or so, I've been in a mood where I'm like, and I, I, my buddy Eric Davis, who we all know from Fandango, mm-hmm. pointed out the same thing on Twitter today, and him and I were discussing it. I just, I think it's going to win. I mean, I, we got I, to the I nominations. Like I've been hearing that a lot. When we got to the nominations, Kevin said Jordan Peele is in for director, and Greta Gerwig is in for director. And honestly, at the time, I was like, dude, you're nuts. They're both they're both first timers. We may get one. We're not getting both. We got both. Um, and it showed just this groundswell of a push for films that that have better representation. Yep. And and I'm and Lady Bird and Get Out are both great films, also too. So um, good. And I'm with you too in the fact that I thought this was Nolan's year. I just thought Nolan was going to get director. Maybe they wouldn't give him picture. Um, maybe they'd go with something that's a little bit more. Although Dunkirk did really well at the box office. Um, I thought they were I've finally going to recognize Nolan for director. Um, but. You know, so okay, so let's we have to address the fact that that three billboards could could still be the one uh, because it did pick up a number of surprise wins at you know a Golden Globes, but not that the not that the Hollywood Foreign Press Association votes. Um, Critics Choice, we went with Shape of Water, did we not? We yes. did, but I, but okay. but there's there's something to be said though about the success of Black Panther happening right now, right. starring the lead star of Get Out. I mean that right. is. That's on everyone's mind. Kaluuya it's an opposite is, of Eddie Murphy. Right. Kaluuya is everywhere, but it also – it actually deserves it. Now, everyone, for tuning in for the first time here, Dunkirk is my number one. I want Dunkirk to win, and I want Nolan to win, but I know it's not going to happen. So I'm I'm ecstatic that Get Out is even possible uh, to win. Agreed. That's I awesome. would love – I would yeah. love for Get Out to win Best Picture. I honestly do. Like, I hope you're right. And I too have sort of been feeling that ground swelling. Are you feeling like, it? Yeah. Oh, like-, like, like, and maybe it's, it's, it's not even so much that I can say, honestly say that uh, that I'm feeling it myself. But I've just been seeing a lot of people me say, too. but maybe, but, but, but what? Well, because we're makes coming it so off exciting. of a, sh- we're coming off of a shock win last year. Yeah. I mean, I think everybody expected La La Land, aside from the, the wrong card being read. I yeah. think we all sort of felt that Damien Chazelle's film had it. And when Moonlight sort of surprised it, you know, there were definitely some pundits who thought that it had a chance. Um, this could happen again this year. Yeah. There is any time that we feel comfortable about saying, oh, this is the one that's going to win. There's there's yeah. another film right behind it that if it gets read at the end of the night, I don't think we're going to be shocked. And this year, I think it, I think it could be get out. There's always this weird wave. And I think Jake's, Jake knows exactly what I'm talking about. I'm sure you do, Sean, as well, that you feel you feel this weird aura around a certain film uh, going to win or, or this person's not going to win. Um, and it, it's weird. Like we, and we go through these waves all throughout the season. Shape of Water was a lock to win at one point. Uh, you know, the Three Billboards was a lock to remember win. The, remember point. the Post was a lock to yeah, win. Yeah, the Post was – yeah, there, there's, there's these like waves that come at you. But you can't deny that voting is happening as we speak. Yeah. Um, oh, but you know what? If, the, if the Oscars were lawsuit. given out, if the if the Oscars were given out in January, Shape of Water would have won. I agree. Agreed. Now, what about the Shape of Water? Now, listen. I am uh, when it comes to lawsuits. I am so I need more details before I can ever give an opinion. But there's a lawsuit happening right now, which was clearly oddly timed. Uh, in Shape- have you heard? Of, have you heard about this? No, I don't think so. Oh wow. Um, so Shape of Water is being sued. Fox Searchlight and the movie and Del Toro, uh, because it is claimed that it has uh, glaring similarities to a play that came out in 1969 about a woman. No, listen to this. It's about a, about a woman who worked in a like a government type facility, fell in love or fell or got connected to an aquatic creature and broke the creature out in a laundry cart, just like The Shape of Water. Now, granted, uh, the that's play, interesting. The play from 1969, it was a dolphin. It wasn't. It wasn't a merman. And also, the woman was engaged. Um, uh, it was. It, it's. It's different slightly. But Del Toro, in in his defense, has come out saying he's never heard of the play before. He didn't know much about. It. I think it's called like Let the Whispers Be Heard. I can't remember the name of it off the top of my head. But look it up. Just type in Shape of Water lawsuit. Um, the timing of it is clearly 
Uh, very, very interesting, considering we're in the middle of voting. Um, but Fox Searchlight stands behind the movie. Uh, Del Toro says it's not true. Uh, but that's another thing that, you know, that story hits in the middle of voting. It's like, you and know, I'm we not going to argue that Shape of Water is the most original film anyway. Right. It has traces of King Kong. It has traces of Creature from the Black Lagoon. I mean, right. well, that, that's Del Toro has said, I watched King Kong and I wanted to make a movie where they actually get together, you know, right. where like they actually have sex. So because when I watch King Kong, I know that's what I'm looking for. I'm going, you know, oh, this yeah. movie would be perfect. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Jake says that after every movie, unfortunately. That's very it's true. Very uncomfortable really... with the Zootopia junket when Jake kept <laughs> leaning over to me and saying <laughs> I really, I really do. I don't know. I, I, I feel get out right now and I, and I'm, I, I feel good about it. I, I am curious though, b- before we end this particular section of our show today, let's pretend that we're on morning television and we're giving our Oscar, Oscar predictions on the Friday ready. of the show. Yes. I want to know what you guys are, what you guys are saying. We'll win. We'll win. All right. We'll win. I'm going to say Shape of Water. Okay. And which is should win. Should win is The Post. The Post is my number one movie of the year. I still stand by the fact that that ensemble is clicking on all cylinders, that Spielberg's a genius storyteller, and that that, aside from the Me Too movement and aside from the push for more diversity, that that, the attack on fake news, is the the movie of our time. That's a good call. I I honestly, Kevin, I think I would would go for Get Out, if only because – if you call Shape of Water, you're one of a million people that call Shape of Water. And if it wins, then, you know, you're one of a million people taking right. credit for it. But if you're one of the people that calls Get Out. <laughs> right. And it wins. Right. You can use that for years to come. <laughs> Granted, if it doesn't win, you can say, you know what? I was taking a shot in the dark. Yeah. And no, no, no one's going to call. No one's going to remember that you got it wrong a year later. But right. if you call Get Out and, it, and you're the only person in your town that does. And it wins. I remember uh, Roger Ebert was uh, was one of the few people that believed that Crash would beat Brokeback Mountain. Oh, and, right. I, and to this day, I was a kid when that happened. To this day, I remember thinking when it happened, going, Ebert was right. Ebert called it. And and I think I think right now there's a certain benefit to calling Get Out because yeah. what's 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 wrong? You, if you're wrong, who cares? But if you're right. Right. You called it, and the beauty and the beauty of uh, of our jobs is that we get to explain our picks. Like I'm, yeah. gonna, I'm gonna have a minute to on the air to explain where I'm going with my prediction. I I kind of want to. I'm gonna predict to get out because I kind of want to send that vibe out to the world. Like, you know, yeah. the, the, the good like, what's, the, what's that thing in Silverlands? Maybe good juju or like whatever. Yeah, the, uh, yeah. yeah. So I, I I always uh I don't know. I just really. If I were to pick the Oscars right now, I'm just feeling Get Out. Like Michael B. Jordan says, I'm feeling it in uh, yeah. in Black Panther. I'm just – I'm feeling it. I, I, uh, I'm with you. I, and I also just kind of want to put that out there in the sense of like I hope this happens. So it's more of kind of a hopeful um, – I should win is Dunkirk obviously. But, um, but yeah, I think Three Billboards and Shape of Water are the two biggest threats. But I think the votes could split, and I think a lot of people – as Jake mentioned, with the representation element of it, but also the fact that Get Out's a good movie. It's a great movie. It's a great so, movie. So great it's, movie. It's, yeah. Next, next week, we're going to make all of our picks in the uh, the top categories. I think the top eight we will do. We will go on the record. Uh, it will be an awards blend stamped seal of approval, and then we'll see how many we get right and wrong. And um, I think some of us have to sort of break away from the, the front runner pack and, and go out on a limb. So we'll see. Maybe I'll pick uh, Greta Gerwig in Best Director. Um, speaking of okay, Best Director, now it's like you're not even taking this seriously. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, listen. I mean, she's a great director, and I think I think what she did with Ray Bird was was fantastic. But out of the five, uh, I think that I mean, I would yeah, obviously put Nolan up there. But I I, I want to see. Can you imagine if Jordan Peele wins? Could you imagine if Jordan be Peele wins Best Director? I mean, I could literally. Nolan deserves it, dude. I agree with you a hundred percent. But I'm saying. With the Get Out ride that's happening right now, could you see that happen? Because that's the thing, too, is that if Get Out wins Best Picture, the only other thing really it has a chance of winning is original screenplay. So is it really going to be the Best Picture winner that only wins two Oscars? That'd be weird. That'd, That'd be, be weird. But it, but it happened before. It happened with Spotlight. But we all know that Daniel deserves it out of every one of those, out of the five. Mm, nah. than, Wait, who, who do you think yeah. deserves it out of the five actors? I, 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 I'm on the Oldman train this year, dude. Uh, I know we got. I know we got to move on, but but I'm on the Oldman train. I love Gary Oldman, but it's not his best performance. It's not. It's he's not competing against his other performances. He's competing against the other four actors. 
but his performance is it, not you don't you don't win an Oscar for the best performance of your career. You win an Oscar for the best performance of yeah. the year. Yeah, uh, but you know that it's a career award for him. It's not his best performance. Yeah, but but I still think it's the best performance of the five that are nominated. I don't think it's I don't even think it's as good as Daniel Day Lewis's performance in Phantom Thread. Yeah, but yeah, the T <laughs> is leaving, guys. But the interruption. Speaking of stays. Paul Thomas Anderson. Good transition. This week, we um, polled our listeners, and we wanted to find out what they thought was the best Paul Thomas Anderson film, and then we were going to give um, our recommendations. Um, we I saw a lot of people who put Magnolia. Um, I think yeah. if we had some of our listeners on this podcast, they would argue that Magnolia um, is the best Paul Thomas Anderson film. I, I said earlier in the podcast, this is a, this was a really tough exercise. And here's something that's really funny. We don't normally share what our choices are um, before the show. Um, but sometimes we'll put them in a note and we'll put, we'll put where our selection is going to be. And this morning in a text chain, we all revealed our choice for best Paul Thomas Anderson. And all three of us have the exact same picture. <laughs> um, Jake, what did we choose? Boogie nights. <laughs> we had to, um, Dirk Diggler. It's, it's honestly, it, I think it, I think it wins for best and, and my favorite also too. Yeah. And, and I, but I, I don't think he's made a bad film. Uh, and so choosing between them, I did not like Inherent Vice, dude. Yeah, no, I, I will. Like I will defend Inherent it Vice. I almost picked it. I almost what? chose it as my it's favorite. I love movies. Oh, dude, I love it. Um, what I it will makes say about no Vice, sense. Yeah, no, dude, it takes <laughs> like you. It takes almost five watches before you finally figure out what it is. Oh, so what is it? The Dunkirk of Paul Thomas Anderson movies? Five almost is. It is this it, – it's the story of this detective who's so stoned that he's not 100 percent sure what's actually going on at all times. So he bumbles into a number of different storylines. Here I am defending Inherent Vice. I didn't even choose it. Um, <laughs> but you begin – upon multiple rewatches, you do see how the threads are all connected and that he's actually really good at his job and he's connecting pieces that he shouldn't really recognize. Um, it but the drugs actually help him. And Joaquin Phoenix is so good, and it's so different from The Master. And that's what I love about Paul Thomas Anderson is all of his films are so vastly different. There Will Be Blood is so different from from Magnolia, which is so different from Boogie Nights. The reason why I chose Boogie Nights, let's all just quickly go through and talk about like just the reasons why we chose it. To me, it takes this industry that we should not recognize and makes it so relatable. Like It's the porn industry in Southern California um, and it's, it's, and it's, it is a, it's the Godfather trilogy in one film. It is the, nice, the rise nice. and fall of this hero. Um, and it's just everyone in it. Someone said this on Twitter and I wish I could remember whose Twitter handle said it. They said that everybody in that movie probably gives the best performance of their career. And I don't think you can argue that. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. I would, I mean, yeah. Listen, Boogie Nights. I mean, Boogie Nights when I was a kid was a different movie than it was when I was an adult. When you were a kid, it was like, Oh, it's R-rated, and it's like, you know, all this crazy stuff you're seeing in the movie. Um, as I watched Boogie Nights as I got older, um, I was just floored by almost every aspect of the way the camera moves. There's a, a tracking shot that follows William H. Macy into a room when he finds his oh, wife yes. cheating on him. Oh. And he walks back out to the car, grabs a gun, goes back in in the same shot. It is unbelievable. Um Philip Seymour Hoffman devastates me in that movie. I mean, he's such a great performance from that character, from that actor. Uh, there's a scene with Mark Wahlberg in the car when he's forced to do the act um, in front of the guy. I think he, doesn't he get kidnapped at some point, right? Or he's, in the, he's in the passenger seat of the car and he has to, um, I don't want to get into gross detail here, but it was like in that montage of Heather Graham's like beating that guy's face in with her, um, with her roller skate. Uh, roller skate. Yeah. yeah. But I just, that movie just, there's like images that just stand out in my mind. Um, and Wahlberg is so great in it. And just the way Paul Thomas Anderson moves the camera. And just one thing about Paul Thomas Anderson, again, one of those guys who also loves shooting on film. I mean, I, I was kind of, I was debating Boogie Nights versus uh, Phantom Thread versus There Will Be Blood. Those are the three where I was like, having a hard time choosing, but Boogie Nights to me is the most enjoyable film of the three. Uh, mm -hmm. It's highly entertaining, but also extremely uh, deep. And, oh my God, how about the Don Cheadle donut shop scene? Yeah. Oh, yeah. there's like, so. there's, I, I mean, I can, I can go through that whole movie. I've only seen it three or four times in my life. And I remember it just stands out. Dude, what so, about the uh, firecracker scene? Yeah. The, the guy lighting firecrackers while they're trying to sell the drugs. Yeah. Oh, oh God. And, oh, God. Right and John that. C. 
Yeah. Wahlberg and, and John C. Uh, Riley's subplot uh, about trying Molina? to film isn't, their movies. Isn't Alfred Molina? Alfred Molina. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Alfred Molina. You're right. The firecracker scene. That was like oh, so. God, that, that scene freaks me out. Yeah. Sister Christian. Oh, it's the entirety yeah. of Sister Christian. Yeah. Um, and it's just super yeah. uncomfortable. He's such yeah. a great film. Oh my god. And like, I mean, but I mean, again, like, and Heather Graham is so great in that film. And Julianne Moore, like, every single. It, it hands down is the best movie of his career. I mean, like, all I, right. But if you guys, so wait, if you had to pick it, we all said Boogie Nights. If you had to pick a second, what would you pick? Magnolia. Uh, I'd probably go Phantom Thread. I, I'm, I love Phantom Thread. I know it's a newer one, fresh on my mind, but man, buttering toast. I mean, I've been saying, I've been saying that for a, <laughs> I've been saying that for a oh, long God. time. But dude, man, I will never look at toast the same ever again in my life. That movie changed. <laughs> Toast for me. Seriously. You know what? So I would choose Punch Drunk Love, and that movie changed Adam Sandler. That movie wow. changed Sandler. It changed yeah. Adam Sandler. It changed the way that people think about what he could do in a film. But what it also did was, at that point, Sandler was doing all of these immature comedies where his anger would just sort of bubble up, and that was his whole persona. And it took that persona but squeezed it into an art house Paul Thomas Anderson film yeah. about a yeah. guy who – Finds love and can't process it because his sisters are, are henpecking him to death. But don't 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 yeah. you ever hate on the brilliance that is Happy Gilmore, my friend. No, that, no, no, I that, love Sam. That is like one of my dude. The Bob Barker fight in that movie is one of my favorite scenes ever. Man. Punch Drunk Love, I love it, but it frustrates me because it just reminds me of what Sandler has the capacity to do but chooses yeah. not to do. Like at this point, and granted, you know what? If I could get paid millions of dollars and take my friends to a tropical island and shoot movies where we're married to like, you know, supermodels, then I would probably do that too. Yes. But Punch Drunk Love shows that he has the capacity to more, to do more. It shows that he has the skills and is purposefully choosing not to use them. And that's why Punch Drunk Love frustrates me a little bit. I'm surprised There Will Be Blood isn't more of a conversation starter, especially with our tweets. That's a hard that, rewatch though. I love There Will Be Blood. I, I never – want to like I, I don't want to rewatch that that's just so heavy dude i just i mean the scenes with him and paul dano specifically the one in the church and then obviously the one at the end with the milkshake uh delivery it is just i mean though that was like pure performance like those movies that movie was just purely just in your face daniel day lewis it was unbelievable but yeah i, I, I all of his films Kevin, I think you nailed it when you said with Boogie Nights, it's a different film when you watch it now than when you watch oh, it when, yeah. when you're younger at a time. Because I keep being told by everybody, the winner for our people who played along with PTA Blend, they all picked Magnolia. And mm -hmm. I haven't seen Magnolia since the first time I watched it, and I just didn't care for it all that much. But I went back and revisited it um, for the purpose of this conversation, and it's a different film because I'm a different person. Like it's just yeah. – it, it's I can't believe how mature Paul Thomas Anderson is as a storyteller – that these are the, I, I can't wait to go back and revisit Phantom Thread in 10 years from now because I'm sure that I will finally understand more of what he was trying to do because well, he's Mag just – Magnolia also features like I'd argue one of Tom Cruise's best performances. Like he's uh, yes. absolutely incredible. And, and, was, and the fact yeah. – you know, any movie that can pull out that – I mean granted, I, I am in the, the camp of thinking that Tom Cruise is one of the most underrated actors out there because he sort of gets – especially these days wrapped into just being an action star. But we forget that he has – amazing acting chops and i'd say magnolia is probably one of his top five best performances i agree with you and, I, and it's funny you bring that up because like anytime i'm talking about why i think tom cruise is one of the best actors of all time i kind of point to a film like that or even i know it's crazy but even tropic thunder tropic thunder he, uh, he deserves yeah. an oscar nomination for yeah and, but but i remember like born on the fourth of july going back to the oliver stone film i mean his range i mcguire I would even argue for Brad Pitt. I think Brad Pitt has sick range too, but both of those guys are on a level of celebrity where it's so hard to like yeah. think of them as just their actor, but you think of them as like this bigger than life guy. But you know, J Jake and I talk about the assassination of Jesse James by the coward Robert Ford. Oh, um, I mean, Deacons. 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 By the way, Deacons I want to say one thing. So we've argued a lot on the show about cinematography and film versus digital. Um, I, I rewatched Blade Runner recently, and, and it is one of the no, most. No, don't come over to the Deacons camp now. Hold no, on, you 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 keep your foot where it is, sir. It's one of the most incredibly gorgeously shot films I've ever seen. I just wish it was on film, but 
Uh, if he wins Oscar night, I'll be very happy. I just want, I want him to win finally. I just wish it was for a movie he shot on film. Uh, I hope when he wins, I hope he gets to the podium and leans forward and says, this is for Sean and for Jake. <laughs> Kevin, this is not for you. This is specifically not for you, Kevin. Uh, listen, man, I, I'm all for Deacons winning. And even Skyfall, which was digital, has some of the best cinematography. Ooh, love Skyfall. Time, but uh, his best work was on film. We, and you guys all, all right. That. you all know that. listen you guys made it this far um our listeners i w- i love the disc- the director discussions i want you guys to use the hashtag awards blend just hit us up on social tell us what director we should do next so so far we've done nolan we've done paul thomas anderson i want suggestions of who we should break down their filmographies because i just like does it have to be a nominated director why don't we uh, do spielberg no. can we, we do, spielberg? do spielberg oh yeah, my god we, spielberg we could definitely do spielberg we're gonna have to yeah. the entire hour that's let's get word. through. Oh. Yeah, let's get through the Oscar telecast, and then we'll do Spielberg as soon as we well, get back I mean, out of the. I, I feel like we can't do. We can't do yeah. Del Toro because Del Toro doesn't have a good enough filmography, and we can't do well, Greta Gerwig. No, right. That's that's why we did Paul we Thomas Anderson. Field. So. Yeah, but I would say, but like okay. we can't do any more of the Oscar nominated guys. I mean, quick, unless though, you guys want to do Del Toro. Real quick, uh, for people who are just tuning in for the first time, what was our favorite Nolan movies? Real quick, everyone give their favorite Nolan movie. The Prestige, Dark Knight. And mine was Interstellar. So uh, and so we did. This is our second time doing this. We did hashtag Nolan blend, hashtag PTA blend. Should we just go ahead and decide now? We'll do Spielberg blend. Hashtag Spielberg blend. Oh, oh, hashtag fire. Spiel blend. Spiel blend. <laughs> I, I do like that. I like it. Um, listen, we usually close these off with a weekly recommendation. I have one. Do you guys have one? I'll think of one. In the, in the, All right, uh, think of one. Mine is, yeah. mine is a Netflix film that's dropping tomorrow. It's Duncan Jones' new science fiction film, oh. Mute, which I was lucky enough to see early, and it's really is good. It, is it awesome? I can't yeah. wait to see that. It's solid. And much like the Cloverfield Paradox, it's just going to drop tomorrow. Um, it's a film that but, he— But is it, unlike the Clover, Cloverfield Paradox, is it going to be good? <laughs> no, but it's good. Yes, it's actually yeah. good. It's worth. It's actually worth watching. Um, I've been calling it Blade Runner's Kinky Cousin. Um, Ooh! It does look like Blade Runner. That's intriguing. It's a little gross. Yeah, it's set in a futuristic society. It has um, some loose connections to Moon, which I know all three of us are huge fans of. I don't want to reveal how, but you'll find okay. out in the movie. And it features um, great performances by everyone. Alexander Skarsgård, Paul Rudd is great in it. Um, Justin Theroux, it's definitely worth seeing. I like Duncan Jones a lot. Interesting. I think, yeah. Can't wait. Cool. I'm going to watch it on the plane tomorrow. I'm flying to L.A., so I'm going to uh, – is it available tonight on Netflix at, like, midnight? Can I download it? Yes. Yeah. All right. I'm Ooh, I have my tomorrow. pick. Yes. Uh, my pick is also going to be uh, via Netflix, and it's actually a big surprise for me because oh, yeah. my fiance is the one that got me into it. Netflix's new rendition of Queer Eye. It was originally oh, when it yeah. came on uh, Bravo years ago. It was really called Queer good. Eye for the Straight Guy. They have a new team who they refer to as the Fab Five. If you're unfamiliar with the premise, um, it is about uh, five gay men. Each like they have a specialty. One knows fashion. One knows interior design, one knows uh, grooming, and they find someone. It used to be strictly straight men. Now now it, they, they work with both straight and gay men, and it's not about, oh, coming in and making someone pretty. It's, it's not a, a, a vain makeover show. It's about changing someone's life for the good. Like I said, I never would have watched it, but my fiance had it on in the other room. I walked in and said, what's this? Sat down. Within 45 minutes, I was Falling on the couch, mm. blew through the rest of the season without her. I don't think I watched a single one of the episodes of this first season and did not emotional. cry. It's, it's incredibly so emotional. It's incredibly wow. emotional. I was, I, I am astounded at how how good it is. I cannot recommend it enough. It is truly amazing. Jake's one hundred percent right, and I, it's funny. I did the interviews for that for that show, and I never went back and watched it because I, you know, when you do a Netflix junket, they give you like seven or eight shows to watch and you, and you you do the interviews. Um, But then I saw Jake tweeting about it. I'm like, man, that sounds awesome. I I didn't think, I didn't know that I would love it as much as I I do. And it's like really, really an amazing commentary on specifically when they go into like the conservative households, those are like, those are incredible, like emotional to like, to just, I don't know. I, I, not, nothing, you know, nothing against, obviously. You know, but I, I just found that to be really, really interesting to watch them like work with people. It was really, really cool. Kevin, do you have a pick? You have a movie to get to. I'm gonna go with In Bruges, uh, only oh, because I love In Bruges. Martin McDonough, uh, his best movie. Yeah, yes. Martin McDonough's, uh, who obviously is uh, who directed um, Three Billboards, but uh, but In Bruges is one of my favorite underrated movies to mention to people so it's really really good but but i just say really quick and and i know we have to go i i love martin mcdonough 
And I have seen several of his plays on stage, both uh, when I lived in Houston and then I, I saw he did a, a Daniel Radcliffe, Radcliffe play in New York. Um, if you get the chance to see some of it, his best work is on stage. Um, the, uh, the, the, the Lieutenant of Inishmore, um, uh, so, so many amazing pieces. If you, if somehow, if you can look up and see if he has a play coming through your town or if you find mm-hmm. your way to New York and maybe see, maybe he has a play, his best work, he, he that, that is a man made to write for the stage. Yeah. That's awesome. All right, this is Awards Blend. We are a live podcast we do weekly. Um, You can also find us on iTunes. You can find us on Google Play. You can find us everywhere you can download your podcasts. Um, My name is Sean O'Connell. I'm joined by Jake Hamilton, Kevin McCarthy. We are your three co-hosts. We will be back next week. Um, We're going to do Wednesday, February 28th. We will be making our final uh, Best Picture picks, all of our Oscar picks, actually, going to the top eight categories. Um, we would love for you to go to iTunes and drop us a review or give us a star rating because all of that really helps us. And um, I don't know. What else do we have, guys? Anything else yeah, to yeah. sign off with? I guess real, can, we, can we get a little more explicit on the iTunes thing? So how can people search for us? If they go to oh. iTunes, they, our podcast is 100% free. We have Terrific. like eight episodes so far. So well, please. This is our ninth. Yes. Yeah. Go to search for Awards Blend um, on Cinema Blend or Awards Blend iTunes. We have a page that pops up. Uh, we will also share links on our social media. As you said, Kevin, thank you for pointing out. We are absolutely free. You can go back and download all of our Awards old episodes blend. if you want to catch up. Awards Blend, we may We're not actually, getting paid for this? We may rebrand um, after the Oscars. We're kicking around names, um, but we'll talk about that at another time and let you guys know. We do like Jake Blend. That's high up there. Um, <laughs> and join us back in here next Wednesday. I believe we're going to do 4 p.m. We'll be on Facebook Live on Cinema Blend. We will be on all of your iTunes um, and podcast venues, methods, yeah. portals. What am I trying to say? Hashtag sure. Bill Blend. Uh, a couple Thanks, things. Jake is wrong about Killmonger, and everyone needs to watch Dunkirk again. That's my those are my sign offs. Just a heads up. Fair enough. <laughs> All right, I'm going to Red Sparrow. Kevin is going to see what? Game night. I saw. Oh, we're going yeah, to game, game night, night too. The fiance and I are going to game night tonight. There you go. Not together. Thanks everyone for tuning in. That's we really appreciate it. Have a great week. Talk to you next week. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.